Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's happening, y'all? We are the Fire This Time Podcast. And we back. And we back with another one. Episode 32, Aki. Yes, it is. I'm Aki to G. My name is Sonny Teray. We back to give you this fire again. Yes, sir. So go on and welcome the people, Aki. You know what I'm saying? We glad to have y'all back. You know what I'm saying? We had a little hiatus like we always do. We like to savor the moment and give y'all something. So, you know, we put a lot of meat on the plate. Things like that, you know what I'm saying? So for y'all who vegan, you know, we making y'all some nice mushroom burgers over here and stuff like that. We impossible got the grill cooking. Yeah, impossible burgers. We're making the grill cook, so we got to make sure we give you something good to put on your plate. But, you know, we glad to have y'all back. So, uh, so start it off today and get it right. Yeah, so today we got a number of different topics. We're going to be hopping around a little bit. We're going to be talking, uh, have a little uh, global perspective a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Hop around the globe a little bit and talk about some of the global events with our political economy going on. Uh, also going to talk a little bit about uh, Beyonce's uh, wearing the Tiffany diamond mm-hmm. with Jay-Z in front of the Basquiat painter. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. And uh, also end off things talking about an upcoming uh, remix to the Eyes on the Prize documentary series, yeah, that, the famous one that uh, we kind of grew up with. Then, uh, you know, we still watch some of it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they're doing a, a remix that's uh, produced in part by uh, Patrice Cullors. How she a, she a producer now? Hey, we're we going to get into it. Well, okay then, you know. Uh, but, hey, we're going to start off this week with this week's fire. And uh, this week's fire, go on and introduce it, okay? This week's fire is the Honorable Eldris Cleveland. Right, honorable revolution. As a matter of fact, Leroy, <laughs> yeah, Elders yeah. Cleveland. So you know he's a brother. You know what I'm saying? The honorable one himself, one of the honorables. Mm-hmm. You know, laid it down, gave us plenty of knowledge from yep. inside and outside the pen. So Elders Cleaver was born on August 31st. It's today is August 30th, but we definitely wanted to keep it uh, Black August for y'all. This we are celebrating Black August this month. Black August resistance. So uh, yeah. Uh, uh, August 31st, uh, Leroy Elders Cleaver was born uh, in 1935 in Wabaseka, Arkansas. He's a child of six, it says. And, uh, yeah, uh, grew up, uh, well, yeah, grew up in Phoenix, but really settled down in Los Angeles, California, where he spent much of his childhood. And, uh, yeah, you know, big thing about Eldridge, you know, is, of course, his time, you know, being politicized in prison, then coming out as a Black Panther. Of course, he has to turn towards more conservative politics later. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're just going to focus now on on the positive, you know what I'm saying, as far as, you know, what he contributed positively to our movement. I don't know too much about his turn or really enough about his life really to get in detail. But, uh, you know, one thing that struck me uh, about him, and I kind of uh, picked up on this in Tommy Curry's The Man Not. Mm-hmm. You know, Tommy Curry spends uh, a whole chapter on Eldridge, uh, where, you know, Eldridge Cleaver, in, in, in a lot of ways, talked about the social factors that affected his sexuality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people just, uh, I think regularly in the, in the movement, in the modern movement, he's read as strictly this, uh, I guess, patriarchal figure. Yeah. That... Um, you know was anti uh uh gay or homophobic and a lot of things when a lot of people don't realize elders cleaver himself yeah uh was uh queer sexually yeah and he talks about the social factors you know uh and saw on ice and tommy curry kind of gives some perspective on it too as far as uh how social factors affected his sexuality of course this you know flies in the face in a lot of the modern uh naturalization or biological arguments, or bi- I should say bioessentialist arguments yeah. about sexuality that say, yo, people are just born this way. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah, Aki, you got anything? Yeah, just, you know, uh, I think that he, that he, his, his work needs to definitely be something to look at. Um, I think talk to Tommy Curry too. He, um, if I recall right, he had, he spoke of an article that he, he, he had got from, um, Elders Cleaver's family or something like that. That went into detail. That Elder Cleaver wrote, you know, um, but Doctor Tommy Curry used a lot of his actual written works that you can find today. Um, the brother gets a lot of criticism, but you know, to have someone who be behind the bars and then on the street, um, yeah, he did turn. He did go another way in his later years. Became Christian. Uh, 
got nonviolent. Didn't he become a Republican? He did become a Republican. You know, but the way the Democrats is looking like that, you know, mm-hmm. we we get some people passes being Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Who, you, you know, know what I'm saying? So. Like whether you're Democrat or Republican, hey. You know, you know, so. I, I, all that to say, Elders Cleaver deserves more of our attention. He had his faults, but he had his great moments. You know what I'm saying? And all heroes are like that. You know what I'm saying? You ain't a hero until you done fallen and got back up anyway. And I, you know, it's great that we celebrating him today. You know, especially he did time. You know, he put that he put that work in with the Panthers. Mm-hmm. You know, he put that work in with the Panthers. He was in Los Angeles with the Panthers. He worked with Bunchy Carter. He was a G. You know what I'm saying? He worked with uh, political exile at different points. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In Cuba, Algeria. Yeah, you he know. did go to Algeria, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, he he's definitely um somebody to be remembered. Mm-hmm. You know, give a definitely Ashe up to him and um Ashe. You know. And uh rest in peace. Rest in peace. Elders Cleaver. Leroy. Leroy, yeah. So let let's keep it going, Aki. Um let's ha- let's touch on this real quick. Uh I, I I caught this on social media. Uh the city university of New York in the movement for black lives. Uh, ain't gonna say too much about our criticism moving for black lives <laughs> but anyways they were part of this report and uh, talking about it came out recently talking about the feds targeted activists to disrupt the movement it's a report called struggle for power that looked at over 300 c- criminal cases by federal prosecutors in 2020 mm-hmm. directed at black activists and uh, they found uh, cases cases that should be just state handed federally. The federal government getting more involved mm. in these type of deals. So, uh, you know, check out that report if you can. You know what I'm saying? But I, I guess it, Aki, in a sense, it is kind of telling us what we already knew. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, anytime you get a lot of people in the street, activists, and you put brothers, men there in that, uh, you're going to have you're going you're gonna to have police activity and somebody getting locked up. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's getting locked up. So um, it ain't nothing new, especially in this United States. It ain't nothing new under the sun. You know, mm-hmm. they act the way they act and they do what they do. So to act accordingly. So uh, it's no different than what we've been to. You know, black folks, you know, we know about calling tell pro. If you don't, you should. Right. <laughs> right. You know, that, that reminds me, I saw a tweet. That just caused us to remind ourselves, you know what I'm saying, outside of the criminal proceedings, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. by the federal government or whatever, you know, they still reaching out in other ways, even through social media. The tweet, I forget who said it, but uh, they was it was basically talking about how, you know, if you don't think that the FBI, CIA would stoop low enough to use black people to run psyops, psychological operations, mm-hmm. you know, meant to manipulate, control the opinion you know, move the needle for black folk in a way that serves capitalism, white supremacy. Yeah. If you don't believe the federal government is capable of that, you ain't studied our history enough. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? COINTELPRO ain't just about locking niggas up. Exactly. It's about propaganda. It sometimes it was the joint. It was the taking an actual black person, putting him in an organization, him causing confusion. In the organization, problems start coming, rivalries come, and sometimes all you got to do is bring problems into something and egos start to flare up. You know, we seen this. They did this in the Nation of Islam. They did this with the Panthers. The Panthers didn't have to. All the Panthers had to do was make a phone call to one another. Get on the phone and call each other up. Did you write this letter? Yeah, no, I ain't write no letter to y'all. Well, it's a letter sitting here with your name on it, bro. I ain't writing no letter, but I just got a letter from you. You was talking shit, too. And they could have squashed that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Both of the letters was written by the feds. Now they got that shit in a way where... Got the, they, you got the they, internet now. They, they can have Facebook, five, 10,000 of their bot accounts <laughs> like and repost a tweet. And you ever thinking that <laughs> it's legitimate fact or it's a popular opinion in our community? That's wild. You know, like, yeah, yeah. That, that's where, the, as the technology develops, his covert tactics to subvert the movement develops. Yes. yes. So now he he just creates bots. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fake accounts. But I think he he creates fake movements. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And we're gonna get a little bit more into that once we come around to the. 
uh, I, I guess you could say BLM remix of the Eyes of the Prize documentary is yeah. about to take place. Yeah, that, that's... You know, where they are lifting up, you know, they faces. White, white supremacy lifting up who they want to lift up. Yeah. So they can suppress some of the actual grassroots voices. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they always going to have money for that. White people fascinated by that type of shit. Anything that do that, they fascinated by it because it it helped them. It helped distract them. You know what I'm saying? And they sugar addicted. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just greedy ass lives that they live in. And 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 the powers that be love it because it neutralizes the movement. Exactly. The actual movement that's just simmering in the fire right now. There's a whole white liberal industry that's a buffer. You know what I'm saying? That affects these movements. And seeks to wear down, whittle down, distract, lead astray. They're like our, the sympathetic cushion. I call those the sympathetic cushion. Those are the ones who are like, they're not consciously, you know what I'm saying, uh, against, you know what I'm saying, what we're about. But at the same time, the guilt and all of those other things that come with being a white man in America and knowing what you done did to a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. That kicks in. Being a white person in general, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes to black men, a lot of these white liberals is getting, you know what I'm saying, battery and they back to be, you know, directly against straight black men. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're a straight black nationalist man, you know what I'm saying? Like, even white liberals are getting the battery and they back from from popular, what we call colonial gender theory. You know what I'm saying? If you don't really know what we're talking about, run back to last episode where we broke down the whole Fanon chapter. Yeah. On, uh, you know, Kind of pretty much we could say colonial versus anti-colonial gender theory, especially the the first actions in this like propaganda, like combat mm-hmm. of our oppressor to you know through gender seek to uh, you know divide our movement. Yeah. So uh, definitely run back that episode. It was a really good episode. I just think it's like I hate to say it, it just seemed like a fear to rise of the black man. Yeah. And I don't even want to say it like that, but it's like, yeah, bro, that's what it seemed like, y'all. Own. Hey, it, look, we got to be able to stand up and say that's it. You know what I'm saying? If we if we can't stand up and, and, and read the situation logically, scientifically, you know what I'm saying? We deserve whatever coming to us. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Sound like a Garvey to me right there. Hey, like I, a Garvey I, conclusion. I keep, I've been reading that Amos Wilson uh, <laughs> uh, lecture on yeah. Garvey. Excellent, Aki. Garvey, that dude. Excellent. Bro. Amos is that brother. If you ain't never read any Amos Wilson, you need to go ahead and get some of him in your library. Yep, I'm reading a book on Amos Wilson, uh, Garveyism and Globalism, kind of like the loose title. I don't remember the exact title. Before we move on, I remember one quote that took up a whole page. Just this one quote from Garvey he put in the introduction of the book that said, uh, just one or two sentences, it said something along the lines of, you know, one mistake, this is a Garvey quote, one mistake I made in trying to, um, you know, change things for my people is I didn't change their minds first. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that makes me think of the, you know, Amakar Cabral that we read or just, you know, really the insistent need for a cultural change, a cultural psychological change before some of That's our... Steve, you got to let me read that. Before, before some of our political economic changes can occur, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. But um, for sure. I mean, um, you know, we definitely got to have that certain, you know, saying that different type of thinking. Now that we coming into these new changes and stuff like that, I mean, um, it's wild, you know. So here, um, here I got I got the quote right here. Okay, sorry for that, but yeah, I mean, j- just so I get it all the way right, you say you want to see it or hear it yourself. All right, so here's Marcus Garvey. My mistake, you ask. I tried to change the world without first changing the minds of men. Hmm. Hmm, that's that's significant, you know what I'm saying? So the book is called African-Centered Consciousness versus the New World Order, Garveyism in the Age of Globalism by Amos N. Wilson. That dude. Yeah, that dude. Check it out if y'all get a chance, man. Hey, but let, let's keep things moving, Aki. Yeah. I know we ain't trying to stay too caught up. We kind of got off track right there. Let's uh, Before we get to the Tiffany Diamond and Beyonce, Hove and all that, let's kind of, you know, touch base with what's going around. Uh, going on around the globe on that note of globalism, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of stuff popping off out here in the street. Of course, mm. everybody already knows what's going on with Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, to me, you know, uh, as we see, we it was a deadline put into place by by Trump, you know, for the United States to withdraw out. 
Biden had to adhere to that. But before we can even get up out of there, Taliban took over, but they was already empowering me. Because all the Taliban right now, when you see them, they got new guns, new outfits, new, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All they stuff look new. Well, all machine guns, helmets and body armor and stuff like that. Bruh, I, you I, just I, gave them the guns. I, I saw these niggas walking up in the houses waist deep and full of guns. You know what I'm saying? Listen here. Like, I'm thinking about, was these care packages that that the motherfucking U.S. government left? They made them even, like, okay, let's just put it wrong. I've seen a report on TV. Before the invasion of Afghanistan, only 10% of the country's population had cell phone access. Now 60% of the country got cell phone access, which is a great thing, right? You can get out to the world. But you also help them upgrade their tactics. Because with technology come all different types of things now. Now, you know, they said a couple, what, shootouts around the airport. You know, some people had to stay put. Most of the people, they said, are still over there as contractors. They're over there trying to get that money. Now you're trapped in the country. It's a weird situation going on. You know, we look confused. We over here, you know, we all we got much on the, that situation is Western news. You know True what I'm saying? So I, I wonder myself, like, you know, how much popular support does the Taliban got? You know what I'm saying? And I wonder, I mean, as far as this, the label Taliban, you know what I'm saying? I think that's uh, kind of a blanket. It seems to me to be somewhat uh, like a blanket label. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of Western in origin for a more dynamic group. I personally feel that the Taliban is nothing but groupings of resistance towards foreign rule. Yeah. And the Taliban is just the name that we collectively know them. The ancient group called the Assassins were various different groups. But they were just known as Assassins. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to know what particular order you came from or what school of thought you was under. Don't don't function that way. You know, those are people who want foreigners out their land. Afghanistan, they never settled for anybody ruling their land. That's historically how they are. And it seemed like, ta- I mean, because, I mean, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying because from my understanding of the situation over there, we drop a drone strike, kill a family, innocent family, or, you know, kill a, a school full of children. I, and let me let me take a step back. Not we. I'm not part of that. We're not part of that. When the U.S. do that shit, you know what I'm saying, the U.S. white supremacist government, imperialist government do that shit, that's the greatest creator of Taliban if you want to call them that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That that that's the the quickest way to get, you know, lifelong pledges of men and women against anything western. Let me give you a bit of information and I can use something in my personal life I've seen many times. In the street, I have seen killers be made from seeing their brother murdered. Mm-hmm. Seeing their sister murdered. I done seen people become straight killers. He was innocent, playing with toys, living his life. Seen this tragic event. It caused trauma. Two years later, they thugging and bugging in the street and making it happen. And they got bodies on them before they are even 15. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're making these folks. One thing that it made me think of Aki, I forget where I first seen this from, but it resonated with me. We've accepted um, part of a description of the black-on-black violence that occurs in our community. I mean, to use that word, I know some people don't like that word, yeah. but to use the violence that we inflict on ourselves yeah. in our community, we've somewhat uh, accepted um, a description of it that says it's senseless. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I, you know, I forgot again. I forgot where I seen it, but it was. They complicated that, you know what I'm saying? They they questioned that, that, you know, our acceptance of that, you know what I'm saying? Because just like you said, we can make sense of where this violence is coming from. Yeah. Like, to say it's senseless makes us almost seem animalistic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if you know where the violence and the cycle of violence, how it occurs in our community, there is a sense behind it as far mm-hmm. as, you know, it's like 
revenge isn't necessarily senseless. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And trauma trauma has taken place for one to want revenge. Yeah, and and I think, you know, to call it senseless, we kind of wash our hands from it and say, "Oh, there's nothing much we can do about it." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But no, our what we have to do as revolutionaries, you know, for real, is make sense of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We do got and we can and people are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh you know, it's like it's like how they looking at Afghanistan. They can't make sense of it. They would look at them as terrorists, but those people are literally. They see you as an enemy. You're not a friend. Or they think it's just full on, you know, brainwashing that makes people anti-Western. That's what somebody yeah. the normal American thinks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it, it's the same idea. That this same system used to say runaway slaves. Like, what was the word? Drapetomia or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, make them go, make we, them, we could, they could, they couldn't make sense of why we would run away like, and not run, for, like, work for free like, on, for on a plantation. You gave me a diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> gave me a diag. That's a medical diagnosis, Aki. That show you. That show you. That's a high level of racism. <laughs> hey, but but increasingly so. I mean, we talk about biopolitics on this show before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. The, the way for an oppressive society to use these biomedical classifications mm-hmm. uh, throughout the rest of society, even outside the medical sphere. You know, in the political arena. You know what I'm saying? And and, and how they oppress people. Yeah. I mean, the idea that you can call somebody. You know what I'm saying? They have a medical, like, Was mental Draco, condition. Draco? I, I, I think it might be drapetomia. Drapetomia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nah, we, we could be over fucking I think we discovered up. that together or something Monday. We were telling, looking at something. But let's just say that, you know, in Afghanistan, Afghanistan are bred to me, honestly. Uh, They're bred modern-day warriors. Uh, let's get the word right because we I'm sure we might have some actual social scientists listening. Hold on, no, hold on, it's it's drapetomia. Drapetomania. 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 That's going into vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. I suffer from drapetomania, bro. I can't tolerate this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so drapetomania. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. We could pronounce it wrong too. You know but what hey, I'm hey, y'all 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 know we uh we trying our, our best over here. And this here. I'm black. I speak the language <laughs> of the streets. And I can't pronounce all the words the way they're supposed to be pronounced. There you go. We don't say stuff like that on the regular, but it's going into vocabulary. But with Afghanistan, man, back to Afghanistan, you know, um, I just say this: they've been they've been having war for a long time. Oh yeah, I mean and, that's the West trying to nation build. Yeah, and you know I, what I'm saying the US trying to nation build. Yeah, and I look at I look at so called the wars over there. That war has been going on for twenty years, but let alone from that. They, as a country, or not even necessarily a country, but as a people, have had many wars in the last 100, 150 years. Mm-hmm. And it's always been about them defending their land against some other power trying to come and get them. Yep. And so they don't, they are built to like resist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they built to resist, like, nah, we ain't going. We might let you come over here. Thanks for the weapons. <laughs> and, I mean, and in, in saying all this, you know, what I'm saying, I wonder what what type of leftist movements there is in Afghanistan that definitely ain't on the side of the imperialists, but also ain't on the side of the Taliban. Because I don't want to render it like the Taliban are like a progressive group. I don't know enough about the situation beyond, uh, like I said, Western propaganda and Western news. So I don't know too much about, like, what type of uh, revolutionary fronts even exist in Afghanistan. I want to know that, too, because they got a red, black, and green flag. Yeah, I, I wonder what type of revolutionary fronts exist in, in Afghanistan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, uh, if there are, like, any, like... Uh, you mean know. of the past or the present? Of the present. Of the present. I don't know of the present. No, I think I, I can recall... Well, I don't know if I can recall... Yeah, it was some revolutionaries in Afghanistan. Back in the day, but I'm I don't sure, know I'm about. I'm sure they're still there. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure but they, like, yeah, they probably they could are. be very, very small. I'm not saying that they're, they're like whole movements. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm just saying like, if there, is there any like front or like uh, like any organizations over there that that you know are critical in the Taliban? I, I, what are the critiques of the Taliban from a revolutionary perspective? Uh, that you know from Afghanistan. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, I, I've I've rarely seen any footage of somebody speaking out from Afghanistan against them and when you do that generally you can see they're westernized exactly I don't want the western um, version we done heard that but yeah they're generally westernized like I say Afghanistan to me or the Taliban is a collection of, of different groups yeah freedom fighters because you gotta remember Afghanistan still has tribal mm-hmm. okay they still got chiefs and shit you know what I'm saying that run 
stuff. And they may have a little militia with them. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, give me the Taliban. Uh, and, of course, that's the umbrella term probably we're using. That's what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? But they've changed, you yeah. know what I'm saying, in the decade or so. Uh, since since the, they, yeah. Since as they, far as, like, they're not killing. Like, you. Have, I seen an interview with Taliban today talking about we've been instructed by our leader not to touch none of the Western Afghanistan people, you know what I'm saying, that want to leave, that don't want to be here with our rule. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were instructed not to touch them, so we're not going to touch them. I think that they understand. I think that it, it it has been some, and I'm not saying for the good or the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not there. I don't know. But you can definitely tell, because I've seen a couple of footage of some of the interviews they had with some of the leadership. Mm-hmm. And they don't sound the same way like they sound back in the day. But they, but they still solid on, you're not about to affect our country no more. Yeah, yeah, we don't want you here. We're not yeah. about to be no Western puppet. There but with go. that saying, Aki, let's, let's keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? We got two more global issues you want to touch on. Let's touch on uh, South Africa. Now, yeah. some of this news is a few weeks old now, but I know a lot of our people ain't really in tune with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But South Africa is experiencing, you know, some of the greatest level of looting. Or I mean, riots, course, a, a, a riots. You know what I'm saying? They Upris- call riot uprisings. Let's, let's say go. let's say uprisings. Maybe you know rebellion since apartheid. You know what I'm saying? Since yeah. the era of you know straight up traditional apartheid. Yeah. Of course, we know some of that still exists. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you think about class and race, or race and class. Yeah. Um, that shit wasn't healed. You know what I'm saying? The ANC. Yeah, did, they just did. put a bandaid on that. Exactly. You know. So I mean, and we're talking about within a week or two time. Over 100 people killed. Yeah, it's going down. Now, South Africa is a much smaller country, but as far as the number the of people. African people, black yeah, people, people, it's a comparable number with the United States. Yeah. And what's going on in this continent, right? Mm-hmm. As far as uh, like 40, 50 million, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And uh, just imagine if within a week or two, due to uprisings in America, if over 100 black people were killed. Yeah. That would make everybody stand still, you know what I'm saying? And that would that that think about what that's doing to the consciousness of the How people. How many people was killed in the Red Summer? Um, let's look it up real quick. We got these computers on our hand. Let's see. Like, I know that, that, but that was a summer, so that was longer than two weeks. But you know what I'm saying? We hadn't seen nothing like that in a minute. So the Red Summer of 1919. So the and so and of course we know that. This is not, you know what I'm saying, this might be an under tally. Yeah, because you know what I'm saying. And, and 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 we know that this shit was going on way long before. Right, and way long after. after. But what what it says on Wikipedia, and of course we're gonna take that with a grain of salt, Aki and our audience, it says thirty eight fatalities. Now, let's go ahead and that's I'm gonna go ahead and dispute that right now. Right. Right. Go ahead. There are tons of people. If you black and you know anything about the history of Reconstruction. Oh, 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 okay. I got this shit wrong. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's funny. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off, Aki. But, okay, that's the first thing that came up on Wikipedia for the Google, like, Red Summer Death Toll. But when I scroll down PBS.org and I read a little bit of the article that pops up on the Google search, it says, Researchers believe that in a span of 10 months, more than 250 African Americans were killed in at least 25 riots. So I, I don't know why 38 fatalities shows up in bold. Like I, I, I look, y'all can do this right now. All the listeners type in red summer death toll. The first thing that says the first two words you see in the results is the Wikipedia. Like they, <laughs> they pull out like a piece of the Wikipedia yeah. document and bold it and make it yeah. big. It says 38 fatalities. <laughs> you see it, Aki? Yeah. Yeah. Now and, you, you got to scroll down a little bit. It says, you know, over 250. And that's probably under tally as well. And then you know something too. You're talking about. Riots. Mm-hmm. So that's, you're talking about documented riots. So now I'm going to take those riots. Let's just say I'm going to take that 38, right? Now I'm going to take that 38 and put 62 more onto that of the people that was thrown in the river. The folks that was burned when they was hung, that you never found out about, that the clan burnt at the barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Or the person that they threw in the swamps and let the gators eat. Or they murdered and just threw and buried some damn where. Yeah, we way over 138. But we not here to dispute, we not here to uh, dispute death. Right, right. You, you know, know, but but I mean, so, like, it, 
we call it a red summer, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, let's say the red summer, that's the name applied to what happened during that year, 1919, yeah. right? And they said over a 10-month span, over 250 kill. Over a week or two span of South Africa. 100 kill. Over 100 kill, you know what I'm saying? So I, I only offer that up to make us think, like, that's a lot. That's a lot. And we're not paying enough attention to what's going on, you know what I'm saying, in the diaspora. You know what I'm saying? I, I at least I feel like I like yeah. I feel like we could be a little bit more aware and in tune what's going on because that's some big shit right there. Well, you know, they say it was because of the uh what was it, the indictment of Zuma. Yeah. Or but but no Vice President. But see, uh we watched some stuff on this last week yeah. when we got together for Which the planet. It's questionable. But, right, right. Some people disputed that and said, no, nah, this is the joblessness. This is the, yeah. the wrecking of the it's economy. Been, yeah. This is also the lack of uh, redistributing. I mean, which, Reduce, yeah, of the land. Exactly. I think underneath all that is the is the fact that they have not redistributed land and given people access and, and ability to build wealth, to build this type of, uh, you know, Res, you know, resistance well, or support we, for themselves. Well, when we looked at the, uh, you know, the the documentary on the situation or the footage on the situation, you were saying nothing but pretty much black folks struggling, trying to explain what was going on, or doing they riding thing, um, they having they uprising, but then you were seeing white people who were normally property owners, shop owners, store owners, and storekeepers. Business owners, they getting together with their guns and stuff. For, forming, you know, in South Africa, these white militias forming, you know, straight up uh, non-official like checkpoints. The oppressor, and they tell they telling the the black police officers what's about to go yeah, down. The oppressive boar system back in place. You know, and, so I'm gonna give them their old name, boars. You know, and uh, yeah, we we gotta be we gotta become better allies. You know what I'm saying? We can't yeah. do what Eartha Kit, even though she's you know this feminist empowering mm-hmm. empowering figure. What 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 was Eartha Kit and her like doing during the the high point, the last high point of of uh, South African apartheid? Mm-hmm. She was going, she was breaking the uh, strike of uh, diasporic uh, people going there mm-hmm. and she was going there performing for the mixed audiences for the white audiences mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like but this shit is so serious we gotta get in tune you know what I'm saying? And there are some revolution now, now we now we, we know, know they're in South Africa. We know they're in South Africa, the revolutionary groups, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm thinking about uh one of them that EF uh, Malima. The, yeah, Malima and I think uh is he EFF? Economic Freedom Fighters. But there's another one as well. Yeah, because it's two major ones over yeah, there right th- now. I forget the second one. And actually, I- anybody from MXGM that's listening is probably gonna be mad at us because I think we're actually closer with the other party. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I, I do know about the EFF. Shout out to the EFF, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because they're doing great work on the ground. And there's another one. Uh, I just the, and they're the pretty much descendants of the. Eight, oh, I, eight. Think, I think it's Black Land First. If yeah, I, yeah, 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 if, yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah. uh, it's BLF, Black Land First. Both of them, you know what I'm saying, doing great work on the ground. And, uh, you know, I wonder how much they're working together, you know what I'm saying? Okay. But, uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, I, w- I would say, you know, I think they, they are wise enough to understand solidarity with groups. Because hey, I, I know Malima's group is pretty much damn dead descended of the ANC or the people who seen the or, or the rev- I mean ANC still you know yeah but active. you know he was once a one, yeah I think under youth yeah, yeah under the youth side those you know those people yeah. who the, the, you know the new tide generation I like to call them uh, uh, you know the new generation. And we, we know there's a strong student movement, you know what I'm saying, that's not really attached to either one of the EFF Always or the been BLF. there, too. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, for sure. Always been like that way in South Africa. But uh, like a in, like Fees Must Fall movement, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, that was very radical, you know, very leftist, you know, that has a lot of possibility. So, yeah. Shout out to Steve Biko. With all that being said, make sure you're tuning in. You know, to what's going down in South Africa, do some of your own research on this. We got to get better, even like, you know, with us in America, and we talk this Pan-African and shit, you know? We got to get better at having those connections, you know? Knowing what's going on over there. There should be no reason now. They walking around with these computers in their hand, too, Mm -hmm. you know? So it should be nothing for us to know people over there who can... You know what I'm saying? Let us know what's happening, and we should be able to do the same. We just got to make those type of relationships. Mm-hmm. But that's something right there that we need to be focused on because South Africans, they did those support to us 
you know, in our struggle and we do support to them and they struggle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we've always sort of had a certain kinship with understanding with them because they were under Western power. Mm-hmm. A strong Western power. Probably probably one of the strongest ones. They were the strongest Western power in Africa. You know? Um, but yeah, you know. So, uh, real quick, I want to tell a little story, Aki. I know we always talk about our experiences on the job or the plantation, the modern plantation, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where I spend my 40 a week at on campus as, you know, right now a teaching assistant. Uh, I had the opportunity to ask my students uh, last week, you know, uh, we, we talked about reconstruction. And uh, I got the chance to ask them about, you know, the idea of land, you know what I'm saying, and African-American freedom, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we talked about, and, and uh, you know, of course, with Reconstruction, end of, you know, uh, the possibilities put out there by radical Republicans of giving African-Americans land. Yeah. You know, the former land uh, that was owned by the slave owners, you know what I'm saying, uh, the, and the Confederates, the, the rebels, right? Yeah. And uh, just asking them and getting their viewpoints on, you know, oh, you know, they'll they, they agree that, you know, the Confederates were wrong, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, uh, for fighting for slavery, all that, this and that. But when it comes to what do you think about confiscating land from the Confederates after the Civil War and giving it to African Americans, all the whole lot of hesitation. Oh, yeah. we don't want to start another war. You mm. know what I'm saying? Da, da, da. I can understand why it was so tough. Mm. There's not a lot of uh, you know full throated support. You know what I'm saying for uh, you know land confiscation. So I mean the idea of African Americans, especially even on this continent, owning and controlling land. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we see it in South Africa. We see it here. That, I think it's one of the strongest connections, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As far as like an analysis of comparing condition, mm-hmm. the effect of not controlling land. And here it go. It's the bullshit. When they could have gave us land, a good bit of the United States wasn't even in that, uh, occupied. I mean, like, like we wasn't even in certain places yet. We, The country the way it is now wasn't even here. But we didn't have the savagery to go and invade another people's traditional ancestral lands like that. No, hey, I, I mean, I feel what you're saying, but also we tried, you know what I'm saying? Like, we we, we tried in, in legal and illegal means, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There were attempted uprisings, yeah. you know what I'm saying, that were put down by this vicious, imperialist, colonizing force of white folk mm-hmm. on this continent, you know what I'm saying? Even when we did legally acquire land... They this, did this, tactics to get it back. Violent, brutal... You know what I'm saying? Barbaric tactics to take land from our people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we still fighting that same struggle, that same war. You know what I'm saying? And we we confused now about how important land is. You know what I'm saying? We've lost touch with how important land is. Our ancestors knew. Our ancestors knew how important having land was. And that's why, you know what I'm saying, me and you both new Africans, we understand how, you know, and we centered that within our politics. But, of course, that's missing from a lot of this uh, modern-day uh, intersectional, like, mainstream convo on what, what black folk need. Well, we got to think. Or what we need to be focused on. You got to want to be separate from your oppression. Oh, no, no, no. They want a seat at the table. A lot, a lot of black folk go. today want a seat at the table. They want to sit at the table. They don't want to build our own table because, you know, uh, they, they accept a lot of the uh, stereotypes that the you know, system put out. About the other black folk at the table, you know what I'm saying? They they led by white fears and anxieties. A lot of these black folk is led by white fears and white anxieties. I mean, it go back to some the good old gospel of Garvey. We quoted Garvey twice today. Garvey said it best. He said the nature of the white man is to enslave, exploit, or exterminate. He said if he can enslave you, he'll exploit you, and if he can do neither one, he'll exterminate you. Mm-hmm. You will never have a seat at the table with him. Hey, you're right. So let, let's actually, uh, you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll save that last global issue. This That's a perfect segue, though, into the Beyonce topic. And why mm. I say that, we talk about a seat at the table. Mm. Beyonce's sister Solange released the album, Seat at the Table, mm. where, you know, it's, you know, what was political about the album was talking about black folk needing a seat at America's table. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful music. Mm-hmm. I love the music sonically of that album, but of course disagree with what the political message was. And, you know, we see the seat at the table type politics with Beyonce and, you know, her fandom and Jay-Z in a recent ad campaign they did with Tiffany and Company. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? So there's a Tiffany Diamond, you know what I'm saying, that was, you know, extracted, you know what I'm saying, from a South a- hey, another connection from yeah. a from a South African diamond mine, right? And slave uh, labor. You know, uh, you know, and Andre Domis uh, Domois, he said on Twitter that uh you know, she got the crown jewel of the apartheid South African state around her neck. <laughs> you know, but, you know, because so many of our people are unconscious, we don't recognize what we're looking at. You know, you we, know how we, you... we see her as the fourth, you know, she's the fourth woman to ever wear this, first black woman to ever wear this yeah. necklace. And we read it as some type of goals type of event. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, that's goals. We here. Oh, we, that, we that, done made it. That that's nothing we need to celebrate, Aki. Go yeah. ahead. I'm I'm not you know what I'm saying? That's exactly what it is. We made it. She's wearing yeah, the crown jewel of the apartheid regiment. That is some shit right there. That's a deep one. But I mean, let's just talk real. That those diamonds were dug up and trenched by African blood, sweat, and tears. Sorrow, tears, and blood. And a lot of times it was children labor doing that shit. You know? And if I recall right, that diamond's probably been around about, it's been around for a minute. So it was been around since the apartheid. Oh, yeah. That, I'm that, thinking that go back to like the, I don't know, that might go back a while. I think go back to the late 1800s. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I think that goes back a while. So you talking about straight apartheid, like. We talking about black and white photos of a few white men and some half-naked African mind. Yeah, straight traditional. You, you know what I'm saying? Like and, and they they posing together like this is some normal economic affair. Normal shit. You know what I'm saying? That that's where that diamond come from. You know. And then, you know, Tina Knowles, Beyonce mama, speak for her daughter in defense, you know, of her daughter on Instagram talking about do y'all check where y'all diamonds come from? I'm like, motherfucker, we broke. Yeah. Who, what, you act like you We working class. You talking about do we check where our diamonds come from? That just show you these people's out of touch. That show you these people's out of but touch. But you know what? Some of that tell me, though, she was out of touch before she got it. Oh, yeah. You know, Beyonce ain't necessarily come from the hood. But that don't mean nothing, but still. Uh, and been, then they got her and Jay-Z up there. Look, like, they've been rich for decades. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They've been rich for de- So, I mean, they mind gone. They billionaires. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're a billionaire, you ain't. Even when you're a grant, when you're a mother of a billionaire. I mean, we can get on Jay Z even heavier. He got this uh, one of the up top people, Perez. I forgot her first name, but Perez that worked for uh, Rock Nation. She is straight up FBI informant. Mm. He he got FBI informants working for Rock Nation. Oh, he up top. I'm talking about some of the top level folk. Let me let me see if I can find her name real quick. I'm gonna I'm I'm Google Perez Rock Nation. Let me the same see way I feel about the presidency, Aki. Desiree Perez. There's a uh, Rock Nation article that says Desiree Perez is leading Rock Nation and changing the world. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. Uh, FBI informant. I'm gonna add that to the search bar, right? So this is a woman that, yeah, like I said, y'all can do the research yourself. She was one of the people pardoned by President Trump. She re- what? she received a pardon from President Trump. You oh. know what I'm saying? And this is oh, she's the CEO of Rock Nation. Oh hell no. So so Jay Z, the same person that's talking about we don't need to protest no more. The time for protest is over with. His wife wearing a Tiffany South African slave diamond is hiring an FBI informant to be the CEO of Rock Nation. Black excellence. Black excellence, Aki. I mean, damn. Let's just take a moment. Everybody consider the connections we just made. Like, that's the type of shit we're dealing with, Aki. You know, Garvey had a vision of black people, wealthy black people. He understood that everybody wasn't going to be wealthy. He had understood a black success, you know. He had a vision of that. I think all our leaders had a vision of that. You know, see black people doing successful things. But this is a little extreme. Like, we'll lose ourselves in this. You'll be seeing it now. Terrible. Shit real terrible, Aki. 
So let's uh to round out this episode, let's Here bring it let's bring it home. Uh I know we're not gonna dig in as much. I know we probably wanna watch some of this documentary or this movie, whatever it is, ourselves before we really dig into it. But um, you know, let's talk about this remix to the Eyes and the Prize documentary series, right? Originally produced by um Blackside Productions back in like the sixties, seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a ministry series about the civil rights and black power movements. And uh, there's a remix coming out, half pr- produced in part by Patrice Colors. And uh, man, th- man, there's a lot to say about it, you know what I'm saying? But uh, how about this, you know what I'm saying? Because we're coming to the end of this episode, we encourage folks to watch it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we're going to come back next episode, maybe do a fuller review on it. But uh, what it should already look, I'm, I'm gonna tell you from the trailer, they use the American flag with red, black, and green colors in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I key, that's Aki's pet peeve. You don't like that? No, 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 no. I don't like that flag. I don't like that flag. <laughs> Only, I mean, it, it's a sellout flag. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It's yeah, like, I got you. What, what, what do the 13 colonies in the 50 states got to do with what we got going on? I understand. That, that's that seat at the table shit. Yeah, that's. The- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is that seat at the table shit. At the, do you sit at the table? That's my new term. Sit at the table. Seat at the table, niggas. Yeah, some seat at the table, niggas, man. So and it's a focus on activists who make this country better. So and by even putting Patrice Colors in a position to remix the Eyes on the Prize documentary, basically, and what I've been reading about it, what they're doing is basically saying how they are better than the civil rights and Black Power movements mm-hmm. because they're intersectional, yeah, right, because of their uh, insistence on centering. Uh, non-black men non-straight black men in all of the trailers i didn't see no most of the trailers and that's read as an evolutionary like progressive thing politically for black folk right even though of course we make up 99 percent of police killings and we know that's the spark of the movement you know what i'm saying and let's also i mean patrice colors is one of the people that uh took away uh the grassroots ferguson effort you know what I'm saying? To actually lead and 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 uh and have their own movement enacted. But I right? I'm talking about stealing money, stealing attention. But I keep think about it though, I keep she didn't dang on, you know what I'm saying? She didn't came up. She didn't dang on. She buying houses now. Million dollar houses in white communities. You know what I'm saying? She producing shows and series and shit. Now, Black excellence, Aki. Now, meanwhile, Black excellence. N- meanwhile, we've covered covered it before on this podcast. The grassroots chapters of the BL, of a BLM have came out over 10 of yeah. have came out and said this person's not even democratically elected you they're, live in foul they're taking money this and that yeah. you know and we ain't seeing none of this money but at the same time the grassroots is rebelling against Patrice Colors mm-hmm. and the leadership of the movement for black lives and she get she, a whole they, they keep on getting elevated and we talked listen to our last episode whole about how Fanon talks about how colonial powers will elevate the woman and now we have to start talking about it. The colonial powers will elevate the non-straight, will elevate the queer above yep. heterosexuality. You know what I'm saying? This is not me putting these in any hierarchical position, but I'm talking about this is the mind state, the psychology of our oppressor. White supremacy. And they know this. White supremacy has always been a patriarchal thing. Mm-hmm. And in a patriarchal white supremacist system, it doesn't matter how many of those, um, how many, I mean, how, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. Their primary target is black males mm-hmm. because they're patriarchs. So they see other males as threats. They don't see you as a threat. They only see you as a threat when, you're, when, when you are functioning in harmony they they want to assimilate you. They want to make you, you know, uh, they want to open you up sexually and, and assimilate you. Now, think, and go back and listen to our last episode on Algeria Unveiled, where Franz Fanon is talking about how the colonizer looked upon these veiled uh, Muslim women mm-hmm. when they came into Algeria wanting to conquer it and, yeah. and genocide against any other rebellious Why men. y'all wearing veils? Y'all men controlling y'all. Y'all hiding the prize. That's yeah. what these patriar- yeah. white patriarchs are thinking. You know, but also, last point, as we preview in this uh, documentary, they had Brittany Farrell, 
uh, interviewed on the documentary who's who you can go and do the research. And shout out to uh, the Champagne Sharks podcast for reporting on some of this on Twitter. Check out the Champagne Sharks podcast. Uh, Champagne like the drink, not like the the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they was on there talking about how Brittany Farrell was, you know, received George Soros money, had a documentary made about them, uh, and uh, the lesbian marriage proposal that took mm. place during a Mike Brown protest that was part of the first documentaries put out about the Mike Brown protest was mm-hmm. this one called Who's Streets? Mm. You know what I'm saying? And about this uh, and, and about her experience, even though she's not from there, she's one of the people that the Ferguson activists say have stolen the movement. She's yeah. also was one of the people that was uh, it was heavily against Darren Seals. Yeah. We know our martyred brother that was killed by the police, killed by the system over there, assassinated, martyred for this shit. Yeah. She was saying that I can't wait. I can't wait till the day we can drag Darren Seals through the streets. That's what that's the type of person Britney Farrell is. And that's the type of person that HBO, Brit, Patrice Cullors and this whole system will put in front of us to elevate anything above the, the, the black man. The Honorable Farrakhan said something one time. I'll call him Honorable because he says some honorable things sometimes. He said this. He said, if the system supports your movement, if they support and back your movement, you know they sold out. Brittany Farrell, a white-funded black activist in, in so-called in Ferguson, came out and says, we want to drag Darren Seals through the streets. And not a year after that, Darren Seals is assassinated. What more need to be said, Aki? There you go. You know, that sounds like that sounds like the t- normal tactics that they use. They've been doing it since contact. 1619. Since, <laughs> since first contact. Yeah, yeah, first contact. First contact, 1491. Aki, I think we leave it on that. You know, if you don't know who Darren Seals is, go listen to some of our past episodes and do some research on your own. But Darren you know, Seals is definitely a solid brother. Rest, rest in peace. peace. You know what I'm saying? Um he but he he you know, he was the first one, one of the first ones, but calling out. Yeah, calling them out. You know what I'm calling saying? Calling out how these people's coming in for the cameras, coming in for the clout. And he was on the ground. He was on, exactly. Uh, an indigenous leader to that Ferguson movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, my, it's other activists that was there who can who t- who say the same thing. Too. Exactly, exactly. You know. So, uh, with that being said, Aki, you know what I'm saying? We're going to leave it at that. We gave y'all some homework this episode, also touching yeah. a few things. We got to turn the grill off. Can't keep the fire burning. You know, ain't oh, no yeah. more food. <laughs> you know what I'm saying That means it's time to go home folks <laughs> You know what I'm saying It's time to go home But we got you a nice to go play There you go We got it to go play for you Got some fall over there for you So as usual Free the land Free the land You know what I'm saying And peace Peace Go in peace y'all Love Love